As a boy, his destiny was in the stars. Where no man has gone before. Now, he'll be the first captain to explore the final frontier. Starfleet seems to think we're ready to begin our mission. The Star Trek saga begins. Let's go. With Enterprise. Hello, everyone. It is Sunday, June the 11th, 2006. And this is show number 56 for Treks in Sci-Fi. And as you can tell from that opening, this week's show is going to be all about Star Trek Enterprise. And off we go. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Cause I've got faith of the Well, again, I'd like to welcome everyone to the show. This is Rico, your host for Treks in Sci-Fi, the Star Trek sci-fi and entertainment podcast, bringing you all the news and information in the Star Trek sci-fi entertainment world out there, which um, this week is going to mainly focus on the pilot first episode of Star Trek Enterprise that premiered back way back in 2001. I'd first like to mention that uh, the show is sponsored in part by YouBuyNow.com. Go to YouBuyNow.com for all of your collectible and buying needs for cool geek things, action figures, prop replicas, lots of neat stuff over at YouBuyNow.com. Use the Trek SF or Treks in Sci-Fi code and save 10% on your next purchase. Well, here we are again for another uh, episode or podcast for the week. It's It's been a while, it feels like to me, since I wasn't able to do a Wednesday show this week. Uh, I had a pretty crazy, busy week for me. I was uh, out of town for most of the week. Uh, I live in the Michigan area. I was over in Pennsylvania uh, for work, just kind of helping out a customer of ours over there, uh, and uh, kind of uh, miss doing this on Wednesday and, and just miss being away. You know, it's always hard being out of town and, and away from home. Kind of wears you out a little bit. And uh, this weekend has been really fairly busy for me. My oldest son is graduating. Actually, today, uh, officially, the graduation ceremony from high school is later on this afternoon. So trying to get the podcast all recorded up this morning uh, and uploaded to the Internet for everyone. So that's been uh, been a little bit uh, busy for me. Also, uh, also have discovered it seems uh, I don't think I, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I know I have in the forums and that, but uh, 
uh, it looks like for work for me in in mid uh, mid July or so I'll be going to Taiwan for a couple of weeks which will probably mean I'll at least be missing one podcast there'll be a, I'll, I'll miss a week there I think unless I, I manage to get a, a show done ahead of time or something like that I haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do on that yet but uh yeah that's going to be really interesting I've been overseas for work before Germany I was over there last summer which was a real nice time but going to Taiwan is is going to be a heck of a trip. Uh, but I'm trying to look at it as a as a big adventure. You know, it, it's kind of funny when you think about it. I mean, I'm a big obviously Star Trek and sci-fi fan. But you know, you, you can just travel to another country uh, on you know on the Earth in the world, and and it, a lot of times it's a foreign land. You know, it they speak a different language. Sometimes they look a little different than you do. And it's it's not too different than you know maybe traveling to a strange new world out there. So I try to uh, try to enjoy it, try to see what the place is like, get out and look around. I remember when I went in over to Germany last year, the last uh, evening that we were there, I just kind of basically wandered into. I, I was um, just a little outside of Munich, and I just had dinner at the hotel and decided to take a little walk into town. It was it, it's a sort of a I guess you'd kind of call it a suburb or a nearby small town of not Munich itself, not Munich proper, but a nearby town. Anyway, I heard I could see a big church in the in the distance with a tall tower, and I decided to take a little walk on my own. And <laughs> the funny thing is, is I, I I thought it was pretty clear cut of how to get there, but then I you know I was going turning a street and then turning another one, walking around, and for about an hour, hour and a half down there. And then as I walked back, I must have taken a wrong turn because. Uh, let's just say I got a little lost, and uh, but I managed to figure out my way back to the hotel. I kind of followed my nose, and it, it got me back there. So, uh, but it was fun, and, and you know the people in Germany were real nice, and and basically, you know, most of the people over there that I ran into at least were speaking pretty good English. So, not too much too much trouble there with that. But Taiwan, I think, is going to be a little bit different than than that situation. So I'm I'm trying to you know look at it that way. It's going to be hard though. It's going to be a real long trip, and it's going to be difficult for being gone for two whole weeks. It's Originally, I was thinking it was only going to be a week, but it looks like it's going to be two. But that's next month, and that's not really what this show is about. And I'm burning up time, and I really want to get to Enterprise because that's going to be a big part of the show. But first, I do have a couple emails for the week that I, I usually go over near the beginning of the show. So let's, uh, let's do the emails next. It's now time for some email on Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, the uh, first email I was going to mention is from uh, A. Perez. He's uh, he's written me before. Um, he says, "Hey Rico, I'm still catching up in your old episodes. I'm with podcast number 22. Just wanted to say that I've done a marathon of your podcast for the last two days. Oh, that must have been a little fun. Uh, <laughs> anyway, your review of the Wrath of Khan was very cool. It bred a lot of nostalgia. I also enjoyed your comments on Quantum Leap. Great show. I think I'll pick that DVD set up in the next couple of weeks. Your discussion of memorabilia is very insightful. Have you ever thought of contacting some of the companies and offering to discuss their products in exchange for free products?" Uh, or at least get an agreement to lend you certain items for review. Uh, yeah, I've. Uh, he says, oh, by listening to your podcast, I'm now very familiar with Master Replicas. Just a thought. Uh, he says, um, also a thought on a new sci-fi show. A new show idea should follow the new Frontier Star Trek books with um, Captain Calhoun. I know about those. He's thinking about that for another Star Trek series. Another great show idea, at least to me, would be go back to the original Trek era and create a series about the Romulans since we know not a lot about them, nothing about them, and it would be a lot of fun. The, that's my thought. Take care. 
thanks a lot for your email. Yeah, those are some really good ideas. Yeah, I've I tossed around the idea of the contacting like master replicas and, and seeing if I could work out something. I tried to trying to get the show, the podcast, a little more established before then. I've also uh, I did one video review of one of their products, and I want to do a couple more of those a little bit better. Yeah, and more uh, professional, a little cleaner, and, and that. And then I thought what I would do is I would, I would link them to the both to the sh- podcast, the audio shows, and some of the video reviews, and see what they thought about that. They're they're a pretty cool company. I, I know other people have had some success in doing these kind of things with them. And yeah, I would be more than than welcome if any of the master replica people listen to this at all to to review your products even just you know a loaner product or whatever uh, on a master replicas front uh, in the next week approximately or so this coming week they are going to start taking orders for the model that they're building they're building a studio scale which is going to be approximately three feet uh, 33 or so inches long of the original enterprise from the original star trek series with lights and it looks just amazing if you're more interested in that go to masterreplicas.com and look in their blog Uh, there they have uh some detailed photos also if you look on the forums i've linked some things in our in a forums on the treksf.com website you can get more information there but that's going to go on sale this coming week it's it's rather expensive but it's kind of for me at least a dream come true ship and don't worry definitely when when that product comes along and i manage to get one Somehow, I will definitely be talking about it on an upcoming podcast. I'll probably devote quite a bit of a podcast to it. There was a, a company um, called um, Icons a few years ago that made an enterprise model approximately that scale and size, but it had a lot of problems. And it's uh, it's oh, I'm sorry, did I say Icons? Not Icons didn't make it. It was a company called Unobtainium is the company that made that. But it had a lot of problems and issues with with the construction and the paint job and just many things. There are still a few of those around. Occasionally you see them, might see them on eBay, but they're usually all in in pretty poor shape, unfortunately. They did not do a very good job on that. But I have uh, the utmost confidence in Master Replicas, and I think they're going to do a really good job with this. So thanks a lot for uh, for your email again. Got an email here from somebody from uh, Finland, which was kind of neat to hear from. His name is Jarko Gronberg. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but he says uh, he's new to the podcast. I listened, I think, only to shows one and two. I myself am a late bloomer with Trek, and I'm still enjoying Star Trek TOS for the first time. Last episode I watched was Elaine of Troyos with, uh, from the third season. Uh, after I've watched TOS, I'll probably watch all the Trek movies. And then on to Star Trek TNG is on his to-do or buy list. Anyhow, your podcast seems really entertaining. I'll be listening to it from now on. Jarko from Finland. So thanks very much, Jarko. And again, for those, uh, you know, either in the United States or other countries, please check out the website, treksinsci-fi.com or treksf.com. Either one will get you there. There are forums, uh, a detailed uh, podcast notes area, a collectible gallery of all my stuff that I, I talk about on the show. Also, I wanted to mention along those lines, in the next, probably this week sometime, I've been working on a a new interface, new main page, so you're going to be seeing some changes. So I definitely, uh, even if you've been to the website a few times in the past, take a look in the next, uh, I'm hoping to have it up by midweek this week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday or so, perhaps even sooner, but the main page and some of the other sections will change a little bit, and I think it's going to be pretty neat, so... Keep an eye out for that. Thanks a lot for your email. 
Okay, the last uh, comment email that I have is an audio comment, actually, from a name, a guy named Mark uh, Pompany. Pompany. Uh, anyway, sorry if you're not saying I'm saying your name improperly, Mark. But here's his audio comment to the show. So listen to this. Hey, Rico, it's Marco calling in here to uh, tell you I enjoy all your podcasts. I've been listening in since the beginning, and to let you know, I've been watching religiously uh, The Next Generation on G4 television, and the series still holds up, looks good. Um, I really have been enjoying all the episodes. Um, That's about it for now. Just want to say, keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. Well, thanks a lot for that audio comment, Mark. Uh, it's really nice to get the audio stuff, and if, if anyone out there it feels like sending something in for the show, please do so audio-wise. Uh, if you have a headset, a microphone that you can hook to your computer, uh, it's it's really not as hard to do anymore with everyone having electronic equipment uh, a little more easily easy to do than it used to be. You can send those to treksf at gmail.com. And now, what I'm going to do for you is we're going to switch gears to talk about uh, the pilot episode, Broken Bow, of Star Trek Enterprise. Now, what I thought I would do, again, like I normally do, I'm going to play a little, uh, this is not so much a preview for the episode. This one is a sort of a one-minute or so trailer preview that they were showing in the couple of months before Enterprise premiered in September of 2001. So, um, I played a, a... one of those near the beginning of the show for you, and I'm going to play another one right now because I really like uh, really like these. They did a good job with them, and I like the music in them. So I'll play that for you, and then we'll come back and start talking about Enterprise. For decades, we've dreamed of traveling beyond our solar system. This fall, we will. Today, we're about to cross a new threshold. Witness the beginning of the Star Trek saga. Starfleet seems to think that we're ready to begin our mission. Don't screw this up. The first captain. Request permission to get underway. Take her out, Mr. Mayweather. The first crew. They have two settings, stun and kill. It will be best not to confuse them. The first trek into the final frontier. Neptune and back in six minutes. Just a little trouble with the bad guys. You might think about recommending seatbelts when we get home. A new era of discovery is about to begin. Let's go. Enterprise launches Wednesday, September 26th on UPN. All right, so we're going to talk about Enterprise Broken Bow, the pilot episode. Now, this, again, premiered back in uh, September uh, September 26th, uh, 2001, the fall of that year. And it had been announced uh, relatively... I guess probably about a year, I believe, before that. Uh, Voyager had ended, Star Trek Voyager, and this was going to be the fifth uh, Star Trek series. Now, there are a lot of people out there, I know, that uh, and Star Trek, both regular mm, sort of fans, real hardcore fans, and so forth, that uh, I guess in general the the feeling has has been that the Enterprise didn't quite have you know, maybe the interest level or or whatever the reasons for it, uh, it obviously didn't do as well in the ratings as the other Star Trek series had done, and it only lasted four seasons. And and kind of my goal on this podcast is maybe to shed a little bit more light on the the show 
You know, I think a lot of people maybe had been a little burned out on Star Trek by this point. I wasn't one of them. I, I really enjoyed Enterprise. I thought it was was an excellent series. It had its good and bad episodes, like all the Star Trek series did, but I like the cast, the crew, the characters. I like the look of the show, you know, and, and it's not just a fan talking here. I mean, I, I was, I, I'm pretty critical to, you know, and, and if they had been doing a poorer job on this show than, say, the other series that they had done, I, I would definitely say it. But I think they did a good job with this. It, it had a little rougher start, perhaps, although I think the pilot episode is really interesting, and it's one of the reasons I picked this to talk about. But the, um, you know, overall, it, it just... It didn't catch on, I guess, as good as some of the other shows, but I think there were a lot of things it had going for it that were really good, and we're going to talk about those now. One thing I'm going to say that I don't always say a lot about is the uh, DVD sets that Enterprise they've they've come out with are really, really nice. They come in nice packaging, a little booklets inside with descriptions in the episode, and I'm going to read a little bit about, uh, like this is inside the first season set, uh, this is in the first page, what they say about these, this called The Story So Far. It is 2151. Almost a century has passed since Zephram Cochran first put Earth on the galactic map by making the first human warp flight in 2063 and establishing first contact with the Vulcan race. During that time, Earth's space program has progressed slowly. Despite great pioneering work by Cochran and his collaborator, Henry Archer, on a warp, en- design, warp engine designed to propel a ship to warp factor 5, Mankind's efforts have been throttled back by Vulcan intervention intended to protect the humans. Yeah, that that's a pretty good synopsis of where things are at at the beginning of this uh, series. It starts out, uh, the reason it's called uh, Broken Bow is it's a place in Oklahoma where a, a Klingon ship crashes with a, it's a small Klingon ship with a Klingon aboard who's injured uh, by a farmer in, in out in a cornfield, and that's kind of the way the, the show starts. And it's kind of interesting because this is the first time, you know, really that that Earth has had contact with Klingons. They've been involved with Vulcans for quite a long time, as seen in the first Contact movie when Vulcans first came to Earth at the time of Zephyr and Cochran's first warp flight, like they said in that little synopsis. But this is really the first time Earth has had something to deal with in terms of aliens, you know, right in their back door, basically, on, on, you know, on the planet. And the Vulcans have been holding people back, holding the, the Starfleet back, even though they have ships built. The Enterprise is designated the first Warp 5 ship, and Captain Archer, played by Scott Bakula, is the captain of this ship. And he's he's really a lot, he's very Kirk-like, which is what I like because I enjoy Kirk a lot. And he's, he's not a Picard, a real thinker, he... He goes with his guts a lot more, and it, it usually serves him pretty well. And he puts together a really good crew to go with him. Most of these are, are people that he's known throughout the years to some degree, which adds a lot of sort of camaraderie, I think, to the show and familiarity. You know, the engineer especially, Trip, is a good friend of his that he's known for quite a long time, and I think that really helps and, and helps the show. But the uh, let's go through the uh, some of the clips that I've collected, and we'll talk about the show as we uh, go through these. The first one is, this is about, uh, it's in Starfleet uh, headquarters in San Francisco, where they've um, they brought this Klingon that's been injured to Starfleet to have, uh, you know, try to help him and all that. And there's a little scene with the Vulcans and Archer and Admiral Forrest talking about the Klingon. So I'll, I'll play that for you now. It's a Klingon. A Klingon. 
Where'd he come from? Oklahoma. A corn farmer named Moore shot him with a plasma rifle. Says it was self-defense. Fortunately, Saval and I have maintained close contact with Kronos since the incident occurred. Kronos. It's the Klingons' homeworld. This gentleman's some sort of a courier. Evidently, he was carrying crucial information back to his people. When he was nearly killed by your farmer. Ambassador Saval thinks it would be best if we push off your launch until we've cleared this up. Well, isn't that a surprise? You'd think they would have come up with something a little more imaginative this time. Sarcasm aside, Captain, the last thing your people need is to make an enemy of the Klingon Empire. If we hadn't convinced them to let us take Klang's corpse back to Kronos, Earth would most likely be facing a squadron of warbirds by the end of the week. Corpse? Is he dead? Excuse me. Is this man dead? His autonomic system was disrupted by the blast, but his redundant neural functions Is are still... Is he going to die? Not necessarily. Let me get this straight. You're going to disconnect this man from life support, even though he could live. Now, where is the logic in that? Clang's culture finds honor in death. If they saw him like this, he'd be disgraced. They're a warrior race. They dream of dying in battle. If you understood the complexities of interstellar diplomacy... So that's your diplomatic solution? To do what they tell you? Pull the plug? Your metaphor is crude, but accurate. We may be crude, but we're not murderers. You're not going to let them do this, are you? The Klingons have demanded that we return Klang immediately. Admiral. We may need to defer to their judgment. We've been deferring to their judgment for a hundred years. John. How much longer? Until you've proven you're ready. Ready to what? To look beyond your provincial attitudes and your volatile nature. Volatile? You have no idea how much I'm restraining myself from knocking you on your ass. Yeah, that uh, that clip there was a little a little long, but I, I think it was important to uh, play it to get uh, a feel for the tone of what's going on here in this episode. You know, you have a injured Klingon, you have the Vulcans that are distrustful, and we're distrustful of them. There, there's even though they've been around for a hundred years on Earth, uh, there's there's a lot of misgivings about it. Uh, you know, and that's understandable to some degree. I mean, you you think about how long it takes. Uh, or how long it took countries to sort of get along with each other on Earth, I think you can make a pretty good analogy that 100 years really is not that long a period of time, uh, especially when you're dealing with a completely different species like the Vulcans who suppress their emotions and are a lot more difficult to read probably than the average person. But And then you have the uh, Archer kind of caught in the middle there, which you know he wants to try to prove that, that humans and Earth is ready to, to get out to the stars, and, and that's what this episode you know a lot of what's going on in this episode involves that and so he uh he volunteers his uh, his ship the enterprise which is just basically you know they always start these shows where the ships are just ready to go you know they're not quite finished but they're just you know they're kind of putting the paint job and you know finishing it up and twisting some bolts down and stuff you know it'd be nice one day if they if they started a uh a series where where the ship was, uh, you know, flying out there for a period of time, and then they go, okay, now we're going to start a series about them. But I, I swear, I think everything, even Deep Space Nine, well, when it was taken over by the Federation, it had been there for a while, so that may be a little different. But uh, you know, it's always oh, the ship's just just the first one of its class. So any so we have the Enterprise, the first warp five ship, going to take uh, this Klingon back to back to Kronos, back to the Klingon homeworld, and they they appoint. Uh, 
to Paul, which I'm going to play a clip for you here in a second, which it, who's a, um, she's been stationed on earth and sort of an, she's sort of more of an ambassador at first, but now she becomes the science officer on the enterprise, kind of like uh, Spock was in the original series. And they, they did try to pattern this show a lot. I think after the original series, you have a very strong leader who, who's, uh, you know, thinks with his gut and instincts. You have a Vulcan science officer. You have a communications officer that's a woman, Hoshi. Uh, you have uh, a, a lot of similarities. You have a good old boy, Trip, who's the engineer. You know, you used to have Scotty as the engineer. There's there's a lot of similarities bef- between the two shows. And I think, for me at least, that was one of the big appeals of it. I, I like that that mix. Uh, and and I, I really like the look. Now, that we'll talk about a little bit for a second about the look of the show. People have always said, you know, well, it looks more futuristic than than TOS, even though it's supposed to be a prequel to that. And I'm like, well, I guess, yes, it does. But, of course, it was done 30-some years, 35 years or more after TOS was done, so that's kind of understandable. But their technology isn't quite there. They don't go as fast. They don't really use the transporter. Their weapons aren't as good. Uh, so they, you know, they tried to keep uh, a connection there between the original series and and they tried to keep a lot of the aliens that they knew about or didn't know about, like this is their first meeting with the Klingons, and there's even a reference in in Next Generation about the you know the first meeting between Klingons and humans did not go very well, and that was a specific reference to what's going on in this uh, this episode. So uh, I'll play the clip here. This is when uh, I think this is a clip with T'Pol first reporting to the Enterprise and talking to uh, Captain Archer. So listen to this. This confirms that I was transferred to your command at 0800 hours, reporting for duty. Is there a problem? No, sir. Oh, I forgot. Vulcan females have a heightened sense of smell. I hope Porthos isn't too offensive to you. I've been trained to tolerate offensive situations. I took a shower this morning. How about you, Captain? I'm sorry, this is Commander Charles Tucker III, Subcommander Paul. Trip. I'm called Trip. I'll try to remember that. While you may not share our enthusiasm about this mission, I expect you to follow our rules. What's said in this room and out on that bridge is privileged information. I don't want every word I say being picked apart the next day by the Vulcan High Command. My reason for being here is not espionage. My superiors simply asked me to assist you. Your superiors don't think we can flush a toilet without one of you to assist us. I didn't request this assignment, Captain. And you can be certain that when this mission's over, I'll be as pleased to leave this ship as you'll be to have me go. Yeah, again, you can uh, you can hear the uh, the tone there of the you know the distrust between the Vulcans and the human humans. I, I like the fact there's you know Porthos is in that uh, who is um, Captain Archer's dog brings along on the uh, Enterprise. I that, I thought that was a really nice idea. I really like that. You know, Data had a cat. Uh, Captain Picard had a fish floated around. I don't think. They really ever talked about that much, but uh, it kind of humanizes them. It shows the differences, and uh, and I, I just I, I thought that was a neat thing. They they didn't do a lot with Porthos anyway. I mean, it's not like he was involved in the episodes. You know, Porthos saves the ship or or whatever. But they, it was just a nice touch, and I, I it made sense to me. There's no reason he you know if he had a dog that he cared about that he wouldn't bring it on. You know, that was a common thing. You know, in the past in 
you know, ships that would travel the oceans when explorers would go out. I mean, they'd bring animals aboard and things like that. And this being a starship, there, you know, there's no reason that that couldn't happen. And Dr. Phlox has a whole, like, you know, menagerie of pets and animals that he brings along in sickbay uh, that help him actually uh, with uh, his medical uh, areas that he needs to. And, and he tries to uh, talk to Captain Archer at one point in this episode where he says you need to embrace new ideas and new new techniques uh, to to manage yourself and to explore the galaxy. And, and that's that's really good, and I like that a lot. I like those little touches like that. Uh, the character of T'Pol, I think, was is an interesting thing. They Originally, what I had read and heard was that they were going to use, if you remember in the original series episode of Muck Time, they were going to use uh, T'Pau. She was, uh, who was the Vulcan uh, high priestess or whatever that, that um, was there in the Muck Time episode and sort of oversaw the, the marriage slash ceremony uh, with Spock and Kirk and all that. T'Pau was the older woman there in the chair. They were going to use a younger version of her as the character and science officer for this. But for some reason, they decided, no, they didn't really need that connection. They would just, you know, there'd be no real real need. You can use any other Vulcan for that purpose. So they decided to use a new character instead of T'Pau. They made it T'Pol, played by Jolene Blaylock, I think is how you say her last name. And, and I really think she does a good job in this role. She's not... Uh, super suppressed emotionally, and she actually like you know even loosens up even more over the years on the ep- on the show. And I I had think I've also heard and read that she was a fairly uh, big Star Trek fan. I mean, she knew uh, quite a bit about Star Trek, and I think if I remember correctly, she has a brother at least that's very much a Star Trek fan. Very very uh, happy that she got this part, so that that helped a lot and. She's, you know, the it, it was a good idea, I think, to put a, an alien character on the bridge, even though this was the first starship that went out there. Now, there, of course, there's always been this sort of discussion or problem with Spock, you know, as kind of thought of as being the first Vulcan in uh, Starfleet, and the, you know, so that would kind of conflict with this to some degree, but. It's difficult to say if that's ever really been stated clearly on any of this Trek series or the movies, if, if Spock really was the first. And At least at the beginning, T'Pol is not really in Starfleet anyway. She is, she is being a sort of a sign there, and, and then by the end of this episode, of course, she she stays for, for all, you know throughout the years to kind of help them out. And obviously the Vulcans have a lot of knowledge. She has a lot of knowledge of navigation, science, planets and things like that that the humans and, and, the, and the people from earth have not been to so she's a, a, a tremendous asset and that's that becomes clear throughout this episode so let's move on the next thing is is a nice little speech they had uh, the guy who played Zephyrin Cochran and his name is escaping me let me pause here for a second and look real quick yeah the uh, the actor is James Cromwell sorry I couldn't quite I knew it was James something he plays Zephyrin Cochran and the first contact Star Trek movie, and of course he reprises that briefly in this, in a message. Uh, well, I'll play that clip for you now. He talks about uh, their work on the warp five engine and the Enterprise. So listen to this. I like this uh, scene a lot. On this site, a powerful engine will be built, an engine that will someday help us to travel a hundred times faster than we can today. Imagine it. Thousands of inhabited planets at our fingertips. And we'll be able to explore those strange new worlds and seek out new life and new civilizations. 
This engine will let us go boldly where no man has gone before. So there you have the uh, kind of some of the words for the Star Trek theme song that Kirk always said at the beginning of the TOS series. They kind of incorporated those into Cochrane's speech about building the engine. That uh, that was really a, a nice little idea, I thought. I thought they did that well, and it was uh, neat to hear that part right before they launched the Enterprise uh, and on its mission at this point to take... Uh, the Klingon back to Kronos, back to uh, the Klingon homeworld. So that's where they're at. The couple other things. The next uh, clip that I'm going to play here in a minute is uh, between uh, Captain Archer and T'Pol, showing you the ongoing conflict. Uh, the situation between the Vulcans and the humans isn't any better, even though she's been on the ship for a little while. But, um, you know, this, uh, as a pilot episode, I think they maybe just involved a little bit too much in here. They're, they start to get into this whole thing with the Sulaban and the Temporal Cold War, which I'll talk about also here in a couple minutes. But if anything, this pilot episode, I think, is a little bit more complex than it needed to be for at least a pilot episode. It, you know, establish the characters. Kirk, or sorry, Kirk. Uh, Archer goes around, collects up his crew, gets Hoshi from teaching, uh, gets... Uh, the doctor out of Starfleet Medical and things like that. And then you've got the whole mission with uh, returning the Klingon to his home world and the, the threat of this the Suliban and the, and the temporal Cold War, which will come in here. It, it's a lot for one episode, but I think they managed to pull it off pretty well. It, it's good to watch it a couple times, I think, to get everything that's going on. There's a few things even I picked up uh, as I watched through it this morning, collecting up the audio from the from the show. So just thought I'd mention that. Uh, but again, the, this clip I'm going to play here for you, this is a scene, I think, uh, where there, there's been some more problems between, you know, what Archer wants to do and what T'Pol thinks they should do. So listen to uh, this conflict uh, increasing. I'm not interested in what you think about this mission. So take your Vulcan cynicism and bury it along with your repressed emotions. Your reaction to this situation is a perfect example of why your species should remain in its own star system. I've been listening to you Vulcans tell us what not to do my entire life. I watched my father work his ass off while your scientists held back just enough information to keep him from succeeding. He deserved to see that launch. You may have lifespans of 200 years, we don't. You are going to be contacting Starfleet to advise them of our situation. No, I'm not, and neither are you. Now get the hell out there and make yourself useful. Yeah, they don't get along too well, I don't think, right now at least. Uh, but by the end of the episode, you know, they have a mutual respect for each other and they start working better together. And that that's a good thing. And I'll play some things that will illustrate that a little bit more here in a minute. The The point in this story at this at this stage is... The, the Klingon, the, the Suliban, ha, have sort of a, some stealth technology, and they've managed to infiltrate the Enterprise, and they basically kidnap the Klingon off of the Enterprise because the Klingon has some information that they, um, they're, they're trying to keep uh, from the Klingons getting. You know, the, the, he gained some information from a Suliban agent, actually, who isn't really all that um, happy with what her people are doing. And I'll play a clip uh, from or talking about it with her and, and Archer uh, on this station on Rigel that they go to in a minute. Uh, but the one thing also I wanted to mention about this episode that I really like the way they did it is they, they show, and I don't think I captured any audio from these scenes because there's 
not a lot of audio, it's more visual, but there's these scenes where uh, Archer is flashing back to when he was a boy growing up and building a little model ship and talking to his father about kind of going to the stars. And, and, and it's nice because you can kind of see, you know, how he grew up and that he, he was just, you know, his environment and his father working on the, the Warp 5 engine really set him on a course for this kind of uh, of a life to work in Starfleet to command the Enterprise. And I think that's nice how the, you know, they incorporated that that fact in his his background and his history and you get to see that uh his his father gives him little bits of advice you can't be afraid of the wind is one of their lines you know in other words you you need to you need to just get out there and try and and that's what he does in this episode even though the um, klingon has been taken away from them they're kind of out, out matched technologically from the Sulaban people they're having trouble tracking them but he says you know he's telling to paul there basically I know I'm not going to go running crying home to Starfleet. I'm going to get out there and do the job and get it done and show show the Vulcans, show Starfleet that we can do it, that we can make it out here. And, of course, you know, it all comes together, and he manages to do that with, with the help of uh, a solid crew that he has. The The next clip here we'll play is is this is a clip with to make it to this station on in the Rigel system. It's kind of like a trading post almost like a deep space nine except it's set on the planet there it's kind of snowing it's cold they they have these cool little you know off off uh, the the ship outfits these jackets and things that they wear and it's a neat little place there's lots of exotic things and the, some of the crew goes down and this is kind of the first time a lot of them have seen some of these alien places they haven't you know really been out there as much travis the helmsman is the only one really that's had a lot of experience or some experience on other worlds because he grew up uh, as a you know he he was on a freighter with his family and they they did manage to travel even though real slowly from planet to planet and he's had a little experience but everyone else this is all new to them and it uh, it's kind of neat when they get to the station because it's it's pretty crazy there so. Uh, uh, the clip though I'm going to play here is this is with um, Saren who is this sort of. I guess um, yeah, she's a Sulaban with a heart, I guess, is what you want to say. I mean, she's not really happy with what her people are doing. So I'm going to play that for you uh, right now. Now what? Clang was carrying a message to his people. How do you know that? I gave it to him. What kind of message? The Sulaban have been staging attacks within the Klingon Empire, making it appear that one faction is attacking another. Clang was bringing proof of this to his high council. Without that proof, the Empire could be thrown into chaos. Why would the Sulaban want that? The Cabal doesn't make decisions on its own. They're simply soldiers fighting a temporal Cold War. Temporal? You've lost me. They're taking orders from the distant future. What? We can help you find Klang, but we don't have a starship. You'll have to take us with you. Yeah, that's right. The uh, yeah, the Klingon that was injured from in Broken Bow is named Clang. That's the one they're trying to get back to Kronos and what was who was taken uh, by the Sulaban. And Saren there, who's actually played by uh the uh, somebody who's on the the O C now, which is kinda interesting. I didn't know that until I watched this episode again and I, I recognized her from that show. Uh anyway, she is uh she's got a little movement. There's more than or just her, I guess. I didn't I didn't remember that right offhand, but there's a few Sulaban that are fighting this situation and there's this temporal cold war the basic idea is that people in the future are sort of manipulating the past they're trying to disrupt the klingon empire they're trying to change things uh, in 
for, for whatever their ultimate reasons and goals are. They're trying to mess, mess with the past, which is always kind of a difficult thing to in concept, you know, because if they're in the future and the future is already, you know, the past has already happened, well, either, either what's happened already, they can't change the past because it's already happened for them. You see what I'm trying to say? It, it becomes basically a, an excedrin headache time to think about it, really. But if they're if they're changing things, how can they change things? Haven't they already changed things? Because they're already in the future. Oh, that's when it gets a little bit complicated. And I can see, you know, Captain Archer's difficulty with with getting his head around that whole concept, especially when, you know, when with everything else that's going on in in his um, in this episode and in his life uh, for this. There, um, then there's a um, there's a little firefight. Uh, Saren gets hurt, killed, I believe there, and then they they try to escape. They basically they they're trying to get back to the Enterprise, and as as they're doing that, Captain Archer gets hurt. He T'Pol gets knocked down in this little firefight that they're having with uh, weapons and the Sulaban, and then they um, he gets he he basically goes back to save T'Pol. Of course, that's you know the captain. That's what he'll do. He he doesn't leave his crew behind. But in that, if you know when that happens, he gets shot in the leg. It's hit in the leg, which you know it's not real super life threatening, I guess. But it, it takes him out for a little for a little time, and then T'Pol takes over. And there's a just a quick little clip here I have of that uh, little line and, and what happens there. So I'll play that for you now. Open a channel. Subcommander T'Pol to Enterprise. Go ahead. We'll be docking in four minutes. Have Dr. Phlox meet us in decon. Acknowledged. Is someone wounded? The captain. I'm taking command of Enterprise. So uh, you have uh, T'Pol in command, which which is good. That, you know, that, that goes to happen. You know, it has to happen in this. Uh, you know, they, they don't trust the Vulcans, so she takes over uh, for a little period of time there. But of course, she decides to follow. There's a Sulban ship that leaves the the Rigel station there, and they follow it. Even though she were always basically wanted to go back to Starfleet, but by this point in the show, she has decided to. Even though she's in command, she goes along with Archer's wishes. She knows that's what he wants to do, so she continues that. And of course, he heals up enough, gets back on the ship or back on the Enterprise's bridge, and and then he's happy with what's happened, you know, that she's still following them. And this leads them to this Sulaban kind of base ship in a sort of a, a gas giant hiding out in there. And the, there's a couple of these little small little cell ships, they're called the probe ships, that attack the Enterprise. The Enterprise manages to uh, fend them off, and they capture actually one of these small ships. And this is important because uh, Archer... Captain Archer and Trip take uh, this ship to infiltrate this this mothership of Sulaban's Sulaban ships, and they that's you know they fly this little this little pod thing down, and and it allows Trip and Archer to get aboard, and that this is basically the the point in the episode where they've managed to then track the Sulaban back to this mothership and find Clang the Klingon, Clang the Klingon, and they're they're you know on their rescue mission to get him out of there. And of course, the, you know the nice thing about this is you have the captain and chief engineer running down here to do this rescue operation. You know, it's um, one thing in next gen that it was kind of a smart move was that you know the captain shouldn't really be leaving the ship doing these things, but it's kind of cowboy and Indians time, and that you know it's fun. Scott Bakula, I think, is a really good leader in this part and a good actor to me. He 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 fits the role real well as a captain on the ship, and you know he's not going to like say, hey, ensign, whoever. 
go down and, and rescue Clang while I sit back here in my comfy chair on the bridge. That, it's just not going to be to happen that way. And that's, uh, I like that. I mean, it's it may not be logical, sensible when you think about it overall, but it, it makes for good viewing and, and you know, at good action. So the, the next clip here, we'll, we get to the point where, you know, they've, uh, they've managed to get Clang out of there, Trip has, but uh, Archer kind of got left behind. He got trapped. There's a little firefight, of course. It's not real easy, you know, on their, the Suleban ship and, or the mothership. And then there is a confrontation on the bridge between Trip and T'Pol that I thought I would play. And the, you know, the neat thing about this Trip T'Pol thing going on in this first episode is eventually, you know, they, they kind of get together later on in, in the Enterprise uh, seasons and they become real close. And the the nice thing is, is that, of course, they, they start out as kind of enemies and really not liking each other, but eventually become uh, a lot closer. So that's... Uh, and that's kind of a nice, nice way to do things, and it, it's kind of a common thing, you know. Your, your, your enemy to begin with ends up being your best friend later on. So, I'll play the uh, clip on the bridge for you right now. Turn the ship around now. Our mission is to return the Klingon to his home world. Another rescue attempt could jeopardize that mission. The captain specifically told us to come back for him. As commanding officer, it's my job to interpret the captain's orders. I just told you his orders. What's there to interpret? Captain Archer may very well have told you to return for him later because he knew how stubborn you can be. What the hell's that supposed to mean? You might have risked Clang's life in a foolish attempt to swing back and rescue the captain. I can't believe this! The situation must be analyzed logically. I don't remember the captain analyzing anything when he went back for you on that roof. That is a specious analogy. Is it? Ah, but the uh, the trick is that uh, Trip does convince uh, convince DePaul to go back for Archer, and it does get to her a little bit that Archer was willing to risk his life to save her on the on the rooftop on the Rigel station, but you know that uh she's kind of you know she's making sense i mean yeah they 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 got to get out of there they're they're being shot upon and by all these suliban ships and what can they do but it's the captain and you know she she feels obligated and rightly so that and, and the funny thing in that part the uh the thing about trip saying you know the captain said come back for him he doesn't really say that at least the part i, I didn't notice him saying that anywhere but he's 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 Tripp's friend and Tripp's not going to leave him. And so they go back and of course they were, they managed to actually, um, they beam out, uh, only time they really use the, uh, transporter for human transport, at least in this episode is to rescue, uh, Captain Archer at the very end. And it's, it's pretty dramatic. I like how they do it. You know, they're not the, the transporter and there was an episode in enterprise, I think in season two, perhaps, not sure it might be season four even uh, i'll have to look but there's a there's a neat episode where the inventor of the transporter comes aboard the enterprise to to do some tests and things and um it's uh it's it's a real good episode and i like that but the transporter is not sort of a regular uh used item at this point in time you know there it has been uh, approved for human transport but people are pretty just you know they're not really trustful of it right now at this point, but they use it to save the captain. So they manage to get out of there. They've got Clang. They get him back to the Klingon homeworld. Everything's hunky dory, and they get the message to the Klingons that hey, you, you know you're being messed with. This this little group of Klingons is not attacking this little group of Klingons. It's all a big setup by these Suliban people. 
So that's all good. And I didn't capture anything from that because the meeting is all basically in Klingon with subtitles. And that's another nice thing about this. You know, they, they do a lot of subtitles and they don't have all the aliens just speaking uh, English. You know, they're, they're still working on the Universal Translator. They got Hoshi there to translate things. So it's not perfect, and I, I think uh, this is this is really a good thing, and it's it's really nice to see some strange aliens out there that aren't talking, you know, the king's English or whatever you want to call it. So I've got one last clip from the episode I want to play for you. This is near the very end of it. It's kind of long, a couple minutes long, but it kind of wraps things up, and I thought it was important to play. Right after that, there'll be a, I'll take a well a quick break probably and then we'll come back and wrap up the show with a little collectible talk and some other announcements so here's the uh the end of enterprise pilot episode broken bow so listen to this and i'll be back in a couple minutes i'll get double shifts on the repair work i think that outer hull is going to need a little patching up let's hope that's the last time somebody takes a shot at us let's hope paul would you stick around for a minute Ever since I can remember, I've seen Vulcans as an obstacle, always keeping us from standing on our own two feet. I understand. No, I don't think you do. If I'm going to pull this off, there are a few things I need to leave behind. Things like preconceptions, holding grudges. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't dispute that. I was thinking... a Vulcan science officer could come in handy. But if I asked you to stay, it might look like I wasn't ready to do this on my own. Perhaps you should add pride to your list. Perhaps I should. It might be best if... I were to contact my superiors and make the request myself. With your permission. Permission granted. I hope nobody is in a big hurry to get home. Starfleet seems to think that we're ready to begin our mission. I understand there's an inhabited planet a few light years from here. We've detected it, sir. Sensors show a nitrogen sulfide atmosphere. Probably not humanoids. That's what we're here to find out. Prepare to break orbit and lay in a course. I'm reading an ion storm on that trajectory, sir. Should I go around it? We can't be afraid of the wind, Ensign. Take us to warp four. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. So you hope you uh, hope you enjoyed the look at uh, Enterprise uh, pilot episode Broken Bow. I, I really enjoyed looking at it, and I'm going to watch some more of these uh, over the next couple of weeks again. Uh, I've got two of the seasons on DVD right now. I've got to get the other couple. But uh, I think it's 
I think over the years and then in the future, I think it's going to become a lot more uh, enjoyed and liked than it was maybe when it was first run. I think there's a lot of good things in there, especially since seasons uh, three and four, things really pick up and get real interesting. Season four, there's a lot of background episodes. Uh, Manny Cotto, who who worked on the show during that season, was a huge Star Trek fan and did a lot of good good stuff in season four. But uh, but check it out again when you get a chance. So a couple little things I wanted to mention, though, that I didn't really when I was talking about it. Last things before we move on. One was the music. Uh, there, there was always a little bit of controversy that they used this sort of uh, ballad song at the beginning of the show. I, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the lyrics to it. I think it fits the show. It, I had a little, yeah, I, I was a little uneasy about it at first, but it kind of grew on me. And I think they, I enjoyed that they kept, uh, they kept to that and didn't, um, didn't go away from it. I, I, it's good to try new things like that. I think, and that, uh, so I enjoyed the opening theme music to, uh, to Enterprise and. I also really enjoy the song that they used in those preview clips by The Calling, Wherever You Will Go, I think is the name of the song. I really, really like that song. It fits well with the mood of the show. And actually, when I first saw those previews, I thought that was going to be the, used for some of the music during the show or the theme. So so there you have Enterprise pilot episode. And it's um, really good. Give it a shot. Give it a shot again if you've not seen it in a while. All right, I thought for uh, for this week, of course, we would talk about some uh, Enterprise collectibles. And I don't have really a lot along these lines. They've done some action figures. Though what I was going to talk about is the um, they had a uh, sort of a landing party set that they released by Art Asylum uh, of a uh, replica of the phase pistol and the little communicator that they use on the show. And it has some neat sound effects. These are basically your, your toy replica kind of things, not quite up to a metal master replicas uh prop replica that they make but yeah it's a, a little set that was 20 bucks or so i think in the store they can still be found on some online places uh on ebay things like that but the face pistol is a little under scale it's not a one-to-one to the prop on the show but they did a nice job it has a light up uh and sound effects when you push the trigger I don't have it in my hand right now, so I won't play that for you. But it's your basic blast kind of sound effect noise you hear in the uh, in the show, and it opens up. It's got a little power pack inside that it holds, uh, and it, that lights up. And they did a real neat job with it. I wish it would have been full scale. It's just a little tinier than. It's probably about three quarters scale to the real prop. Uh, and then the the communicator, the same thing. They did a uh, a slightly smaller than than the scale on the show. I don't know what it is with sometimes with some of these toys where they decide they, they can't make them full scale. I mean, Art Asylum eventually made a uh, an original series phaser replica that was original one-to-one scale size and had a detachable phaser. I talked about those before, or phaser uh, top, phaser one off of the uh, the main body. But anyway, uh, the ones for uh, Enterprise, these two replicas, the, the communicator is just a little flip-up uh, plastic uh, item. It flips up, I mean, the, the lid opens. There's a couple of spoken um, lines from Scott Bakula as Captain Archer that it that it says when you open up the communicator, uh, it lights up on the inside. It has sort of a green light that goes on when you open it up. And I'll, like I said, as usual, I will, or I haven't said this yet, but I usually do, I'll have some pictures up in the blog for the podcast notes, and also that'll link you to the, collect, the collecting 
gallery, which will be some more photos of these these two items. So uh, so take a look for this. Uh, if you're into the Enterprise show and you like this, it's not an expensive item, which is kind of nice. A lot of the things I usually talk about each week are, are fairly pricey, but this one is, is not, uh, not as much, and I think they can still be found uh, in stores occasionally. Well, not so much in stores, although I think I've seen them in Toys R Us even pop up now and then still years later. Sometimes they seem to have boxes of stuff stuffed way in the back, and they they pop out eventually, but uh, so there you have phase pistol, uh, Reed's favorite little weapons, and with the stun and kill settings. You know what? What's with only two settings on those things? You think they'd have like a little dial you could kind of power it down or up depending on what you were having to shoot at? You know, because stun and, and kill might not work the same on any you know thing you're fighting always. So uh, anyway, just a little side note. Um, but that's a it's a cool little replica. They, I think I talked about the little pads that they use on the show that I had built uh, one. I think I talked about that on a look in the archive, and you'll see uh, you'll be able to find a show where I talked about that. That's another uh, nice item that I um, got from Enterprise. But there's not really a lot out there. Again, like I said, they did some action figures and some little bridge sets that were kind of neat that they did, uh, but not a lot. Uh, and the show was only on for four years, so that's, uh, that's partly the case. So that's it for the collecting section. Well, folks, I think that's going to just about do it for me this week. Uh, I wanted to mention, I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit nasally today, so hopefully the sound is not that bad on this this recording. I don't know why that's the case. I don't feel bad. I don't feel like I'm getting cold or sick, but perhaps it's just uh, just the early morning for me, and i got to wake up, got to have some more uh, caffeine or something like that. But uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun day, I think. It's sunny here. Going to my kids' graduation later on. I'm gonna have a nice dinner out, so that's that's uh, that's good. Oh, for next week, uh, next week's episode, I may get something out midweek this week, probably. Maybe to talk a little bit about the website changes and things. But next weekend, uh, so per somebody's suggestion, I am going to look at because next weekend's Father's Day. I'm gonna look at the Deep Space Nine episode, The Visitor, which is uh, a very uh, father-centric episode. It's the one with. Uh, Jake, kind of in the future, grown up, trying to save Ben Cisco through there was an accident that happens, and I won't say too much because I'll be talking about that a lot next week. But the visitor for Deep Space Nine is going to be next week's topic, and if you feel like recording any audio and your thoughts about that show, uh, I can include those next week if you send them to treksf at gmail dot com. And until then, is Rico signing off for the show? And everyone have a great week, and I will talk to you very soon, perhaps on Wednesday. Bye, folks. This has been a Rick Dosty Podcast production. 